Belinda Babini hopes that you never have to experience what it's like to lose a child to cancer. With September being Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month, Polinda joins us as she takes us on her journey from losing her daughter Robin at age 20 to ovarian cancer, to finding her purpose, passion, and commitment by starting the nonprofit, the Ovarian Cancer Circle, to honor Robin's memory. Polinda shines a light on Robin's legacy by educating women about ovarian cancer and how they can save their own lives through vigilance and awareness. You're listening to Extraordinary Work, conversations about creating change. I'm Terry Yaffe, founder of Try Coaching. Throughout my career, I've worked in many industries from fashion to advertising to sales. I'm a certified executive, career, and business coach, and a TV and podcast host. These podcasts will connect you with people who work passionately, striving to make a difference. I hope these authentic and inspiring conversations will help you channel your ability to create change in your corner of the world. Welcome, Paulinda. It is such an honor to have you here today. I feel so blessed in a way that you would be willing to come onto the podcast and have this incredible conversation. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, Terry, to educate and bring awareness to the community about ovarian cancer. It's a disease that people don't know about. They don't know the symptoms. And it's very important. I truly believe that if you know how to be a good health advocate, you can save your life. Yes. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Okay. So my background in uh, sales, photo retouching, I was uh, in the digital imaging business for 40 years. So I had a lot of exposure to a lot of the community. In 2004, my daughter, Robin, was diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. And our family knew nothing about ovarian cancer. I didn't know the symptoms. I didn't know the right questions to ask. As a result, she ended up in the emergency room in terrible pain. They didn't know either what was going on. Uh, They gave her a transvaginal ultrasound at that point and got the cyst had burst, but that's not what it was. And um, she was diagnosed uh, two and a half months after she went to the emergency room with stage three ovarian cancer. So she uh, did lose her life in 2006, two and a half years after her diagnosis. So I felt very, it was a difficult, it is a difficult tragedy. It was a difficult time, but I knew I had to make a difference because as I said a minute ago, people don't know the symptoms. They don't know how to be proactive. So I decided to start a nonprofit in honor of her memory. So it's called the Ovarian Cancer Circle, inspired by Robin Babini. And my mission is to educate, bring awareness, and raise money for uh, research, which is extremely important because it's very unfunded ovarian cancer research. So I'm very proud to say to date, I have raised $1 million in the 11 years since the circle has been founded. Um, We do two fundraisers a year, uh, one in the spring and one in the fall. 
And I'll continue to do that. I, I just, I love your story. I really do. I had cancer myself a long time ago. And I also, they didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I had to advocate for myself. And they found out that I had um, endometrial early stages. I took care of it and everything was okay. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about when you made that conscious decision to start the ovarian cancer circle and to start advocating. And then, of course, you will expand upon what you are doing today and the how you are creating change with everything that's going on during this month, especially in the city and the airport and everything else. Well, first, I want to talk a little bit about Robin. Mm. And she was very dynamic, very charismatic. She was president of a student body. She was homecoming queen. That's her picture right behind mm-hmm. us. You can see she's got a beautiful smile. She always drew people to her, uh, her, her group, her circle. And it was a tragedy that such a young person should die from such, for this kind of a disease. And I just, um, I was encouraged by other people to start the organization. It wasn't just coming from my heart. But people who knew Robin and and loved her so much felt her memory had to be kept. It had to last. It had to be memorialized. And that gave me a lot of impetus to do it. It made me realize that such a person who's so dynamic needs to be, um, her legacy needs to be kept alive, shine a light on her legacy, which is, so that was how it began. And anyway, I just kind of followed in Robin's path, being that she was so involved in the community. We're, we're in Hollywood. And um, I just kind of followed her footprint. She was uh, went to UC Santa Barbara. She was in Kappa Kappa Gamma, which is the national sorority. And I, um, I do a lot of things with that sorority. I've been doing that for 11 years. I give a Robin Babini Community Achievement Award to an outstanding Kappa. I also give an award at her high school to uh, an outstanding senior, and it helps bring her, her, her memory, keeps it alive. And the city of uh, West Hollywood supports us. They light their city hall teal on September Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month, and so does the city of Los Angeles and the LAX pylons are lit in teal. So um, we do have a lot of traction and we are making a difference. Mm. I know that. I know that all the time. People call me, ask questions. They reach out to me for uh, support and educational information. I give out these bookmarks. And on the back, it talks about the symptoms. I have a website, which we'll mention at the end. But I do sell items. I sell these scarves. I sell these pendants. Oh, you can't see me. And I sell earrings. I sell socks. And I do a lot of health fairs and um, I actually have a wheel with 16 questions on it and they're pretty basic questions. So people aren't intimidated. And it, uh, when they walk away, they go, oh, I didn't know that you've taught me so much. So that's part of my mission and part of what I've been doing. Isn't it interesting in today's world that people are not that educated on many forms of a lot of things, ovarian cancer breast cancer, other kinds of cancer. And it's it's incredible that one woman, I mean, not one woman with lots of others have taken up the baton and the mantle to really use 
your voice and your platform to educate on ovarian cancer? Well, when you lose a child, which is the worst thing that could happen to a parent, you never, ever, ever expect that to happen. That was my motivation also. I help people because they do see that losing the child, you have kind of two choices. You can either crawl in a cave Mm -hmm. and just hide, or you can make a difference and, and do what I'm doing and keep the child's legacy alive and, and educate. And I know when I wear this teal, where I wear all over the place, everywhere I go, people associate that with ovarian cancer now and me. So when I do see people, they, they say, oh, they think of me and the ovarian cancer's color and it's, it's incredible. So why teal? Is that? I don't know. That's a national color of ovarian cancer. Okay. I never paid attention to the color. Pink, pink is the breast. And right. every, every cancer has a color. I'm, I don't know if you knew that. No. I mean, I knew, the, yes, the pink for breast cancer. Absolutely. Every, every, yeah. So teal, I didn't pick it, but I love the color. Uh, and people are gravitated to it. It just happens to be a great color. Do you do seminars or other podcasts outside of the L.A. area? Do you, you know, do you travel throughout California or other parts of the country to talk about and educate? Well, I don't travel because uh, what COVID has done to us, but I do take every opportunity where anyone asks me to speak. I belong to many networking groups, so I've had many opportunities to speak, which is how the circle has grown to where it has. It's part of what you have to do when you fundraise. You have to reach out to many people. You you need to grow your organization and grow your your community. I I was just very fortunate. I was on uh, it was local TV KTLA Channel Five here in in LA for ovarian cancer awareness. We were having a fundraiser, and it was incredible how many phone calls I received. Because they reach a gigantic area, Southern California, all the way down San Diego, or to, I'm sure further than that, and fun and tons of money. A lot of money came in, and people's stories about losing somebody, and they were so grateful that they KTLA took the opportunity to talk about ovarian cancer. It's not talked about enough. So thank you for letting me speak about it as well. Absolutely. I I mean I think it is so important and. I question why not? Well, the reason is because not that compared to like breast or heart disease, not as many women get ovarian cancer. So it doesn't get the exposure that it needs. Even in Washington, I participate in an organization that advocates for funding. Uh, Every year they have a conference. I go to the conference. We go to our council members, our senators, our House of Representatives, and we talk about how important this is to make a a cure or even early detection test. Did you know there's no early detection test for ovarian cancer? I I am aware. I I have had several friends, one in particular that passed away from ovarian cancer and one that caught it and she recuperated. Exactly. Which is rare because I my my understanding is once it's detected, it's already far along. Well, it depends if you get it early and usually that's detected because you go in for something else and they find it. Um, Yes. Like for Robin, she complained for a whole year with the symptoms. She she was nauseous. She had indigestion. Right. Also, it's frequent urination, constipation, symptomatic of other diseases. 
which is why it gets misdiagnosed a lot. However, if you do know the symptoms and you can walk in with my bookmark or look it up and say to the gynecologist, these are the symptoms, give me a transvaginal ultrasound, which is not that painful. It's not that invasive. It will see if there's anything suspicious going on in your reproductive area and a CA-125, which is a blood test. I get that, right? Yes. And Mm -hmm. if you do those two things, that's all they have right now. It will at least put you in a better place for the doctor to maybe think maybe this is a possible ovarian cancer situation. I didn't know to ask those questions. Of course not. The gynecologist, he didn't offer that. We did. We walked out of there with with no information. And as I said, three months later, we're in the emergency room. So if he had or I had known about transvaginal ultrasound, CA125 in July when we went, I kind of have a feeling she might be here today because we would have caught that earlier and been on top of it. So I highly, I push that when I talk to women. That's the two things I really advocate about. If you don't feel well, you have these symptoms, go to your gynecologist and ask for transvaginal ultrasound and CA-125. Very, very important. What else can you impart to, especially the women who would be listening to this conversation? Well, I have to say ovarian cancer has no age limits. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily happen to women postmenopausal. It can happen to women at any age. So like for Robin, it was 17, very, very early. Doctors were shocked. And But since I've been in the ovarian cancer world, I have met many women who have been diagnosed early and thankfully some survive and others struggle. But as I mentioned before, the the, the two procedures that I mentioned or what I would focus on. And um, being, I put it on, ra- on people's radar. People don't pay attention to all of a sudden they what? Look, Obama's wife died from ovarian cancer. Who? President Obama's wife. A mother, excuse me. Mother. Sorry. A mother died from ovarian cancer. And uh, Angelina Jolie. I always talk about that when I speak. Her mother died from ovarian cancer. She carried the BRCA gene. Now, if you carry that gene, your chances for ovarian cancer and breast and colon increase by 80%. And there are other genes now. They've discovered more. So Angelina Jolie had a mastectomy and a hysterectomy to bring her risk down to 10%. So if you carry the BRCA gene, you can get genetic testing. That's how you find out about that and probably tell you other genes. You can make a choice and to be proactive and have a hysterectomy and big decision, but people do it. This is so helpful and such a relevant conversation uh, with everything that is going on and all of these types of cancers that women could find out about and be educated on and not worry or, you know, constant checkups going to the doctor every year. And um, I know with when I had, I'll share my endometrial, I wasn't feeling well. And I kept going to the doctor. She kept doing a sonogram, nothing there, nothing there until I pushed her and she did a biopsy and she called me and she was shocked. She said, I cannot believe this. I'm shocked. I had to have four people look at the biopsy. And within, you know, two weeks, I was in the hospital had my hysterectomy and I didn't, I had stage one, so I didn't have to have any invasive procedures. So that's, that's the stories you want to hear. 
that women stay on it. They don't give up. They don't listen to the doctor that says, oh, come back in six months. Right. No. We'll have another look. You got to like be very proactive with your health. And I think it's also the doctor you choose. Very important. You know, somebody that is there and you know is there. And I have so many of my doctors on cell phone <laughs> that they're willing to give it to me. Right. Well, I our funding, our funding goes to one specific gynecologic oncologist. Okay. So tell us about the funding. Yes. Yeah, so she she has a lab at the Go Discovery Lab. It's at UCLA. She's a scientist, she's a clinician, and um, she's a, a gynecologic oncologist. So we've been funding her for like 11 years now. She's made a lot of progress. She works with early detection, testing for early detection and other uh, better treatments. They, they work with DNA, your women's DNA so they can be more specific about the chemo they're going to give. And that, that does make a difference. You can check her out on her website also. And um, we really um, are um, proud of her work and mm -hmm. think that she could be the one that moves it one step further for progress and make a difference in women's lives. She has already saved many women's lives. Her patients are part of my team because they appreciate what she's done and know she can make a difference. So that's where our funding goes. So, Paulinda, one last thing that. I am sure every woman knows and does every year gets a pap test. Tell us if that is significant when it comes to ovarian cancer. Well, Terry, I'm glad you asked that question because a pap test has nothing to do with ovarian cancer. And many women get uh, to misconception. So please know that pap does not have nothing to do with ovarian cancer. So be aware of that. That is very interesting and quite a piece of information that I think many people will be happy to hear because we all think, oh, we get a pap test. Wow, I'm good to go. But, you know, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Very important piece of information. So I just want to tell people if they're interested in donating or finding out more they can go to the ovariancancercircle.org to find out more about this ovarian cancer and Paulinda and what she's really created change in the universe, in her world, by being a spokesperson, using her platform and her voice to help educate women so that they can certainly save their own lives. Is there one last thing you'd like to add, Paulinda? Well, I will continue doing this for the rest of my life. It is my passion. It's, it's, I'm committed. I feel wonderful when I hear that women have survived ovarian cancer and they're going on with their lives. So again, I just want to reiterate, be proactive, be aware, and you will survive ovarian cancer. It's not a death sentence if you catch it early. And that's what I want to just emphasize. Thank you, Terry, so much for giving me the opportunity. So welcome. And this is such a impressive story that someone that has lost a child, a tragedy, that she has turned it into a triumph and into her being a voice for education on ovarian cancer. I cannot thank you enough, Paulinda, for being willing to share your 
life, your story with us. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation. For related content on extraordinary work, visit my website, trycoaching.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to future podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Always remember, when you work with passion and purpose, your work can become extraordinary. You won't want to miss our eye-opening next episode with Todd Churches, the CEO and co-founder of Big Blue Gumball, an innovative leadership consulting, training, and executive coaching firm, and the author of the groundbreaking book, Visual Leadership. Be prepared for Todd to open our eyes, our minds, and our hearts as he demonstrates how we can become better communicators, presenters, thinkers, coaches, managers, and leaders by applying his visual thinking approach.